real life. From her days in the theater, from her early years with our grandfather, and the mysterious decade of the fifties. The five books that are now presented as the Austin Family Chronicles were written over a period of thirty years. A prolific writer of more than sixty books in a variety of genres, Madeline created a web of characters that grew, changed, and surprised her. As we reread these books over our lifetime, what strike us are the very different responses we have to this family. At eleven, we thrilled to the references to things that our mother or aunt or uncle would confirm were true. At seventeen, we were cynical about the blur between fact and fiction, and thought we could read our grandmother as if she were a book. In our mature adulthood, we recognize how rich and complicated our grandmother was, and that fact can be the springboard for fiction, and fiction can inform who we are and tell us about ourselves. Charlotte Jones Voikless and Lena Roy, March 2008 Macmillan Audio presents A Ring of Endless Light by Madeline Lengel. Read for you by Maggie Meg Reed. One. I saw him for the first time at the funeral. He stood beside my elder brother, John, and they both had closed, clenched jaws and angry eyes. He was as tall as John, and I could see that he was as full of grief over Commander Rodney's death as the rest of us. I didn't know who he was, but I liked him. Because he was standing with John, I assumed that he, too, had a summer job at the Marine Biology Station, which was housed in half of the Coast Guard headquarters. It was a strange place and a strange time to see somebody and know that I wanted to meet him, to call him by name. But there was something about him that struck me as, to use an old-fashioned word, trustworthy. And that's important in an untrustworthy world where death can strike when you aren't looking. This wasn't the first time that I'd come close to death. But it was the first time that I'd been involved in this part of it, this strange, terrible saying goodbye to someone you've loved. I was sixteen, almost, even if not sweet, and I'd had my first proper kiss at fourteen, but I'd never before stood at an open grave, waiting for a pine box to be lowered into it. The part at the church hadn't been so bad— maybe because it was in a familiar setting, the small white church on Seven Bay Island, the church we've been to every year of our lives when we'd gone to visit our grandfather. It was a sad time, the time at the church, yet it was somehow beyond time, on the other side of time. Commander Rodney had been our friend for ages. He was mother and daddy's age, and he died of a heart attack after saving the life of some dumb rich kid who'd gone out in his sailboat in complete disregard of storm warnings. The kid, whoever he was, wasn't at the funeral, and maybe that was a good thing because I, for one, held him responsible for Commander Rodney's death, 
And if I felt that way, what did Mrs. Rodney and their kids think? No matter how often our doctor father said you could never be certain what caused a heart attack and blaming someone was no help at all, I still felt that the capsized sailboat and the half-drowned kid had a lot to do with it. My little brother Rob stood close by me. Commander Rodney had been his special friend, more Rob's friend even than Mother and Daddy's. Rob wasn't crying. He hadn't cried at all. But his face was white, the way it looks when he's going to get flu. John was near me on my other side. He'd just finished his first year at MIT and tended to think he was so much bigger than the rest of us, he hardly condescended to talk to us. But he reached out and held my hand firmly, something he hadn't done since we were kids. And on John's other side was this unknown young man with sea